Thank you for joining us for our Renewal City Church podcast. If you're looking for ways to get involved, join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Roxy Theater in Longview, or find us online at rcclongview.org. We hope you're blessed and that this message finds you well. Amber did a great job setting up today's message, so I'm going to read that passage one more time, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so each week, someone's going to talk about something we get to learn from Jesus, and today I get to talk about rest. Jesus says, learn from me, rest. True rest. Rest for your soul. Rest that lifts the burden and releases the weariness. And so God, this morning, um, we just come to you and we, we adore you for being a God that offers this to us, that models this for us, and that um, when we're not very good at it, <laughs> it you don't take away the offer. <laughs> it's still there. So thank you for teaching us and um, for having mercy for us. And I pray that this morning, Holy Spirit, you would um, just speak whatever you have for us to learn today. Amen. Learn from me, rest. So I feel like this is something that God has been working on me for over a year, and it kind of took me a while to realize it. Um, so he's been kind of undoing something in me, and I think when I first started recognizing it was last year when I started reading Peter Scazzaro. I don't know how to say his name. I'm going to say Scazzaro. Um, his book, um, The Emotionally Healthy Leader, and what stood out to me in that book was that often as spiritual leaders, um, we're really good at doing, um, but then we put our identity in that, and we're not as good at being, and this concept that, like, our doing would actually be much more beautiful if it came out of an overflow of our being with God, so that was kind of, like, what opened my eyes to this journey of, like, I think I need God to change some things in me because I'm really good at doing and not so good at being. Um, so this is not something I have like mastered and now I'm sharing you with you like how great I am at it, but it's something he's continuing to teach me. Um, and so that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, something you should know about me is that I constantly strive for perfection. So I type as a one on the Enneagram, which is titled the perfectionist. Um, and I had someone the other day said, well, a more positive spin on that is to title it the improver. And I was like, oh, yes, that is such an accurate description. I'm always looking for ways to improve myself. And I think that's a very positive thing. Um, <laughs> that's good, right? Like, I have high expectations, and so I'm a high achiever. And um, I think it's really good to want to be a better person. But the, like, unhealthy part of that is um, never feeling like I'm good enough. Like, I can have a day where I'm, like, killing it at my job, and then I'm like, well, kind of neglected my family. Or a day that I'm like, I'm just a really good mom today. <laughs> Didn't get very much work done. So, like, no matter what, 
I'm not good enough. That's the downside to uh, being a perfectionist. Um, I think that this is something that while it's really ingrained in the way I function, I think it's something that everyone can relate to. Um, just that feeling of like, no matter how much I do, it's not going to be enough. And I think that that leaves us feeling really exhausted and really, I mean, it leaves us weary. Um, and it leaves us burdened. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So it's a good thing that I'm not God. And when I find myself caught in my own trap of trying to be God, leaving me weary and burdened, Jesus says, hey, come over here. I'll give you rest. Come to me. I was talking to one of my counselors, yes, one of my counselors, recently um, about this journey I've been on of, like, learning how to stop striving and to rest, and I'm just, like, explaining all this to her, and after a little bit, she said, um, it sounds like you're trying to achieve rest, like, check it off your to-do list. I'm like, how rude for you to call me out like that, gosh, but... Um, then she said, like, I feel like as you're talking about it, the Holy Spirit gave me the word enter. Like, he's inviting you to enter into rest. And then she just left me with that. I was like, if you could process that so that I can give a sermon about that in a couple of weeks, that would be, like, super helpful. That's all she gave me, the word enter. So I've just been, like, stewing on that. Okay, enter. Enter into rest. What is that? What does this invitation look like? And then as I'm writing this, I keep writing, come to me, come to me. So I feel like... They go together. Jesus is saying, come to me, enter into rest. And um, the other day I was driving and I had kind of this like image. Um, our son Zeke gets nightmares a lot. And so it's pretty common for in the middle of the night for I have to like go upstairs and like rub his back and kind of like wake him up. And I'm right here with you, Zeke. It's mommy. You are safe. You are loved. I'm rubbing his back, and I need him to, like, open his eyes and see me to be able to calm down and, like, get out of his nightmare. And I just had this, like, image because we know the Holy Spirit is with us, right? So there's not something, like, I don't have to come to church to enter into God's presence. He's with me, but we're not always aware of his presence. And so how do we enter into his presence, and I just had that picture of the way I have to make my presence known to Zeke, um, and I, I just had that picture of him saying, like, do you see my face? Do you hear my voice? Do you feel my presence? I'm right here with you. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about, like, so what does that look like in our lives? Like, how do we see his face and hear his voice? and feel his presence. Um, I think that there's a couple of practices that we can do, not to make it about a to-do list, but um, we do have to like practice things for them to become habits and rhythms. And so one of them is Sabbath. Sorry, I got ahead of myself. One of them is solitude. I'm talking about that first. Um, solitude, and so um, Ways that I connect with Jesus and I feel in his presence is through worship music. 
Um, that can be just like listening to the lyrics, that can be belting it, it can be writing down the lyrics and recognizing the power in them. Often they're written based off of scripture. Um, so for me, that's like a really powerful way that I feel reconnected with the Holy Spirit. Um, oftentimes it's journaling my prayers and just kind of getting all the chaos in my head down on paper and surrendering that to Jesus. And I find that he gives me a lot of clarity when I do that. Um, sometimes it's like closing my eyes, taking deep breaths, kind of like practices of being grounded. I don't, I'm not good at like yoga and meditation and stuff, but I just take some of those basic concepts and try to feel grounded. And I feel like for me, that can shift my perspective back on like, okay, he's the creator, I'm the creation. Um, and I like to do all of these things in solitude. And I think that finding times of just being alone with Jesus is important. Uh, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But I also want to recognize that, um, like, sometimes that can feel really unattainable. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just coming out of the baby and toddler phase. And so for the last several years, I've been like, how am I supposed to? have times of solitude and so I've had to relearn like how do I connect with Jesus even in the midst of like the chaos and my kids and stuff so some of the things I just mentioned those things can happen with my kids um but another practice that has been really great that I feel like I implemented more like during COVID and we needed like survival skills while I was like working full-time from home and homeschooling my kids full-time um so we often would do like midday like we need a reset everyone get your shoes on and we just like walk a block or two and while we're walking we take turns we say thank you God for the leaves thank you God for the rocks thank you God for my brother and we just take turns on our walk thanking God but it shifts our eyes back on him and it gives us the reset we need to go back into whatever it was that was causing us stress. Um, and so um, that's been a practice that I've really enjoyed implementing with my kids. Um, but what is it for you? I want you to think about that. Like, what brings you to the feet of Jesus? Is it a hike, time alone, time with someone you love, reading your Bible? He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So learn from me, rest. So if we look at Jesus' life, the reason I say solitude is one of the important practices is because we see Jesus practicing that. So um, if, you, if you want to pull it up, you can pull up Matthew 14. Um, so this is a very well-known story in Matthew 14. It's Jesus feeding the 5,000. And so prior to verse 13, we see that Jesus was informed that one of his dear friends, John, was beheaded. So he is grieving. And in verse 13, it says, When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So the story continues on where the disciples are tired and they're like, hey, send the people away. And instead, Jesus performs this miracle that, you know, we all know about of multiplying the loaves and the fish and feeding this large crowd. He had compassion for the people. And then if we pick up in verse 22, it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. 
After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And so typically, like, when we hear this story, the focus is, like, on the miracle that just happened. Um, But one time I heard a teaching where the focus was on these moments that Jesus had of finding time for himself. In verse 13, he wanted time by himself to grieve. In verse 22, he wanted time by himself to pray. Um, And so in the teaching I heard, they pointed out the importance of this practice of solitude that we see Jesus doing. Perhaps he had the endurance to heal people and feed huge crowds because he had a rhythm of solitude in his life to give him endurance. Also, he's God, so there's that. But um, I think that if we're trying to learn from Jesus, then maybe the lesson from this story isn't just about the miracle, but also the value of practicing solitude. Retreating and spending time with God. And then we have the endurance to meet the needs of people around us when the Holy Spirit moves us with compassion. So solitude is one way of practicing rest. It's the come-to-me action that leads us to finding rest for our souls. And then I ruined it and already told you that I'm going to talk about Sabbath. So that's what we're going to talk about (laughs) next. No smooth transition there because I ruined it. All right. Um, Okay, so right after that that verse in Matthew 11, at the end of 11, 28 through 30, um, chapter 12 in Matthew is titled, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And so in verse 1, it says, At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. Then Jesus starts referring to the Old Testament, undoing what the Pharisees understood the law to be. In verse 6, he says, If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have condemned you would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So then Jesus goes on to heal people on the Sabbath, also against the rules, and then the Pharisees plot to kill him. So, lovely. Um, So essentially, Jesus is undoing the legalism of this practice. And I'm finding that Jesus is really good at undoing things how we know them. Um, So most of my life, I've disregarded the Sabbath because of this passage, like, oh, those Pharisees, they're so legalistic. We don't have to practice that. But um, in reality, my need to measure my worth through productivity has made Sabbath seem literally impossible. So I've just avoided it. Wayne Muller says, if we do not allow for a rhythm of rest in our overly busy lives, illness becomes our Sabbath. Our pneumonia, our cancer, our heart attack, our accidents create Sabbath for us. Now, I I am not saying that, oh, I didn't rest enough and that's why I got cancer. But I do feel like that was part of my journey of learning how to rest. So, well, kind of. Um, Last year when I had radiation therapy, um, I had... I had radiation for a month, and, like, at the end of it, it was in my head, so at the end of it, um, I had blisters all through my mouth and my throat, and so I couldn't eat anything, and I could, like, barely just tolerate, like, sips of ice water, and so there was about three weeks of just being, like, really weak and kind of just being in bed, 
And um, that would be a great opportunity to rest, but I worked from bed. So <laughs> um, it's just interesting how, you know, like I was in survival mode. I just started a new job. Who has time for to take three weeks off when you just started a new job? So I worked from bed, and I did Zoom calls with my camera off and stuff like that. Um, so looking back, I'm like, wow, that would have been a really good opportunity to practice what God was teaching me. So if I go through therapy again, then you can tell me to take work off. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right, fine. It just took me a year to learn it. All right. Um, yeah, kind of ridiculous, but it's because somehow it's ingrained in me that value, my value comes from my doing. When in reality, our, crea our creator loves us unconditionally for simply being his creation. He's unraveling the lie I have believed that my worth is tied to my productivity, and he's reteaching me the value of simply being with him. So in the learning of this, God's inviting me to practice Sabbath. This is what I believe Sabbath is. To rest with God, to soak in his presence, to delight in his goodness. Peter Scazzaro, in his book, The Emotionally Healthy Leader, says that Sabbath is an essential delivery mechanism for God's love. Why would anyone want to miss out on something like that? It reminds us that life is about more than work. Life is about God. When balanced by a Sabbath rhythm, work takes its proper place as good, but not a God. So what would it look like to rest in God's presence and feel so fully loved without my list of productivity to make him proud? Learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. We're all familiar with the creation story. You know, in the beginning, he created, and it goes through each day what God created. And on the seventh day, he rested. Um, but in... John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He tells us that this word rest in this context also means to delight. And so he wasn't just like, oh, that was a lot of work. I'm going to sit and take a break. No, he like, I'm going to take a day to enjoy my creation and give a day for my creation to enjoy me. So interesting that we see this from the beginning. Dan Allender, in his book, Sabbath, said this. The Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives. Without question or thought, it is the best day of the week. It is the day we anticipate on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and the day we remember on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, play, dance, have sex, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, and watch creation in its fullness. Do you want this? I do. But again, so my instinct, turn it into a to-do list. Okay, um, I am giving you a list. So if you take notes, get ready. <laughs> um, I, another fun fact about Amber, if I leave a meeting and we have not like delegated action items, then to me that is not a successful meeting. So I'm going to leave you with action items today, and then I'll feel like I accomplished something. Okay. Um, here's the thing. is like, I, because hopefully I've convinced you this is a beautiful invitation, but we do have to talk about, like, how do you take concept 
to practice. And, um, and part of what made Sabbath desirable for me was kind of the undoing of some of the, like, rules that I thought it had to be about. And so um, in the book Rhythms by Renewal, Rhythms of Renewal by Rebecca Lyons. Um, she has a chapter on Sabbath, and she talked about, like, basically what it looks like for her family is um, it's like a once-a-week lunch date with her husband that's very intentional, and then a one, like, a evening of the week that's a very intentional family time. And then also they do quarterly Sabbath where her and her husband do uh, overnight getaway, and then they do a family week-long Sabbath every year if it's a family vacation. But it's not just, these aren't just like, ooh, a getaway or a vacation. Like, they're very intentionally used as Sabbath. Um, and they have those as rhythms in their year. So I liked that idea, and it felt like, oh, that's doable. Um, and then in Peter's book, The Emotionally Healthy Leader, um, he talks about, you know, in Jewish tradition, Sabbath is practiced on Saturday. In Christian tradition, Sabbath is practiced on Sundays. Um, but he refers to what Paul was saying in Romans 14, essentially like just stop judging each other and just like do it. And it doesn't really matter when you do it. Just do it. And so Peter gives us some, I'm taking these action steps from him. Um, he says, number one, read up on Sabbath. So I, like I said, I've been reading about this for over a year. I didn't know I was reading about Sabbath. I just happened to like every single book I read had a message of it in it. So I'm like, okay, God's teaching me something. But if you need book recommendations, I can give them to you. But do your own research on Sabbath. Um, number one, to identify a block of time. And so something else that I appreciated in Peter's book was traditionally Sabbath is 24 hours, but sometimes that can be what prevents us from trying. And so he recommends start with a 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. because half of that you're sleeping. So you can feel successful, but then you start craving more. And so then you can extend it over time. Um, so identify a block of time that works for your family. Um, number three, make a list of what brings you delight. So for me, it's music, it's soccer, it's cards and board games and walks and sleeping and good food and cooking and baking. For some people, it's gardening um, or hiking. or And so make a list what brings you delight. Number four, prepare in advance. So in order to not work on Sabbath, it means you have to prepare well for this day. So you know, plan what you're going to eat, do the grocery shopping, clean the house, maybe look at your to-do list. If there's anything, I know, like, this is kind of how I function. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I'm like, okay, that can wait till after Sabbath. But if there's something that's like, I am going to stress about that the whole time, then I need to get it done before Sabbath so that I can actually enter into rest. So four is prepare in advance. Number five, um, he says, define your protective container. And this is essentially like you making your own rules about Sabbath. What can you do? What can't you do? Define for yourself your own rules. And know that that can adjust like as you're exploring what Sabbath looks like for you. But for example, like we've said, no screen time on Sabbath. We're going to put our phones away. It's normal for us to be like, we're tired, family movie night. We're not going to do that on Sabbath. Um, and so you define for yourselves what that's going to look like. Um, and then... Number six is experiment. So like I was saying, like, just try different chunks of times, adjust your do's and don'ts list. But eventually, once you've figured out this, this is what feels good for us, then have it be set so that you can get in a rhythm. 
And then number seven says find support. And I like this one. Um, who can you learn from along the way who's modeling this? Who in your community is also practicing this? Can you do this together? Can you help each other keep it a priority? So I like that one because I would love if the most weren't the only ones practicing Sabbath and if it was something that we were doing as a community and we just knew, like, if we invite you over on the Sabbath, you just, this is something we're practicing together and it's a beautiful communal experience that we're delighting in God's presence together. So, okay, I'm giving you questions. You can pull them up on your QR code, but I will read them. I would love for you at your tables to just discuss these. Number one, oh, and I stole these from Rebecca Lyons. I do need to give her credit from her Rhythm of Renewals. I had my own questions, and then I read hers, and I was like, those sound way better, so I just deleted mine. <laughs> Number one, what keeps you from setting aside a particular day to Sabbath? Two, what are the barriers that keep you from a day of rest? Is it your work, the pressures of extracurricular obligations? Be specific. Number three, how might practicing Sabbath be beneficial for you and your family? Um, so I'd love for you guys to discuss this for a few minutes, and then I'll come back up and we'll do communion and a couple more songs of worship. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Here at Renewal, we uh, partake in communion. And um, so we invite you to do that with us this morning. There's crackers and juice on your tables. And so we're going to sing a couple more songs of worship, and we invite you to take communion when you feel ready. Thank you, as always, for this time that you've given us together in your presence and with your people, and I pray that we would not take it for granted. Amen.